Well, the boss called me up and said, come in to work. I just hung up on that slave-driving jerk. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. Well, you'd think I'd rather be sweating on a dock or watching somebody use a hammerlock. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Unlucky episode number 13 of the Total Bees She's Show I'm happy to say Mike Davidson is here in studio. I didn't think you would be here because I've heard a rumor that you have uh, taken a new position, you know, with New York, with the big boys. Uh, you mean WWE? Yeah. Well, they have a few vacancies because uh, somebody retired, right? Going into the weekend, somebody has decided he no longer is a either in, energetic enough or no longer holds the credibility needed to have an executive title for a publicly traded company. That's that's the, la- that's the last part. That's more like it. Yeah. Vince McMahon has decided to retire abruptly after taking a leave of absence less than a month ago in amidst a scandal, an investigation that was going to expose some sexual improprieties. It still will. It's still going to happen. I mean, it's it, all he's done now is distance himself from the company to protect the shareholder's price. That's all he's done. And I mean, good for him. I, no, I'm not good for him, but like th- that's a smart thing to do, right? I was sitting at a swimming pool recently with Sean Brown and Jeez Wheeze. And because Jeez Wheeze always bases most of everything he gets from that guy, Dave Meltzer. Oh, does he? And he said... I, it will never happen that Vince is ever going to go down. And I said, well, it's a public traded company. In the land of big business, when Roger Ailes fell, and if you saw that movie Bombshell, that, that really told that story very effectively. And you saw Bill O'Reilly, and you saw Matt Lauer go down. And, you know, these stories might be different, but it still was a case of a man with an enormous amount of power sleeping with women on the payroll. And that's that came back to bite him. Yep. And today he's retired. As of last Friday, he retired. And WWE, what happens next is the big question is, does he still try to wield power as a big shareholder? He's still the largest single shareholder. But it doesn't matter because if he yields too much power, then shareholders can sell off and that will drop the value of the company. Yes. What's even worse is if Fox, if it comes out so badly, whatever this is that he has now decided he does not want to face. If it is so bad that Fox says, Hey, we can't do a deal with this company anymore. As long as he's involved, this might be what he's doing to protect the company or Peacock or any other broadcast entity. That that's the one there that I'm thinking Peacock. I don't see it being an issue with Fox Why? there will Have you ever watched Fox News? Hold it. Have you ever After watched the that Roger program? Ailes which was Fox News? Yeah. They're probably just as sensitive to it. Bill O'Reilly was Fox. Yeah. So don't don't suggest that Fox wouldn't want to be su- su- sensitive to it. At the end of the day, Vince McMahon is retired, and I'm not going to be the guy that's going to break the story and say, here's the ins and outs. Dave Meltzer will do that, even though clearly Dave Meltzer thought all this time, oh, Vince isn't going down. Now he's going to do what people like him do, the pundits, and say, well, this is why he went down. Dave, you lost credibility on this one when you said Vince Vince is stepping aside, but that nothing's going to come of it. Well, clearly something came of it. Bad enough that today is is a new day in the world of WWE as a publicly traded company. 
Vince McMahon no longer will run the day-to-day operation. And if his daughter is going to hold any credibility as the new co-CEO with Nick Khan, it's going to be very imperative that she has distance between her and Vince. Because if it looks like she's just a puppet for Vince, it will not work. There still could be a sell-off. There still could be people distancing themselves from the McMahon name and brand. So if she's going to run this company, she's got to put her own fingerprint on it. It can't look like daddy's toy anymore. And I I mean, before I get to that part, I I think I saw, like I saw the Vince thing coming, but I didn't think he would step down. What I'm saying is, I thought because of his ego, he would go down with the ship, so to no. speak. I thought he was going to hold on because he's got such an ego that he thought he was untouchable. That stuff does not happen in this day and age no, in publicly it, traded companies. It, it doesn't, but Vince does have a fantastic ego. Yes, so, but uh, you have to understand how this would have played out. This would have played out with him believing at first that it, I bet you a month ago when he stepped aside, he knew, okay, this is going to be a tough fight. He could not be dismissive through this, and he he does more damage trying to push through than he does actually protecting the the company. Understand, every time there's a incorporated entity, I learned this many times doing business with Jeff Dick and always dealing with some lawyers, and people are going to think that that sounds salacious, and it's not. Well, every time you incorporate a, a company, you get told the incorporated entity is its own entity. It is not an extension of any one person. You have to protect that entity as its own entity. And that's what happened here. Like Vince could have said, oh, I, I'm going to push through. It wouldn't have mattered, especially if it, if it comes to potentially big TV broadcasters deciding they couldn't do business or whether it was maybe, you know, some sponsors were going to, it's bigger than sponsors. Let's put it that way. Definitely. And I mean, it, you're, you're correct. It's a publicly traded company. So you have, and it's its own entity. Yeah. WWE is not an extension of Vince McMahon. No, no, you're held to the stockholders, you know, whims. It doesn't even matter that Vince owns 50 something percent, unless he's going to try to pri- go private again, which means he would have to buy up 49%. And even though he's rich, he'd end up almost broke doing that. He'll never do that. I don't, I just don't see Well, that. no, it's done. He's, he's done. He is not, if anything, now you might see him like dabble with starting a different company of, but not wrestling. No, and I, I just don't see, I don't see it happening. And I, here's what I think will happen with. Goes with, in the hall of fame right with, away. With Steph. I, I like she, she's the CEO. Nick Khan's the co-CEO. They announced that, that Hunter is the EVP again. He's once well, again, I think he essentially assumed that role a couple of weeks back. He did, but he, it was just interim at the time. I saw something today or yesterday uh, as we record this that said he is now officially the EVP again. So he's basically back to the same title he was at. I think Vince will put, go hands off for a bit. It'll kill him. I think in his mind, he's probably thinking, I'm going to go hands off for a year. If it lasts six months, I would be very surprised. And then he's just going to, something is going to trigger him and he's just going to, he's going to try to take over, but it's not going to be like in front of the scenes. It's gonna you be are a hundred percent wrong. No way. It's Vince is not resurfacing. He can't. You no, have, no. He's we not don't, we don't He's going to pull the strings. We don't know the worst of this yet. Right. Something has made him retire a yeah. month after he t- said he was taking a step back. So it got worse, not better. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. Well, we, there was more, more accusations. Well, it doesn't matter. Out. Something were, it's worse, not better a month later. And he knows it, it's, it's bad enough that he has to step way out. Now, here's what's going to happen now. He has no reason to keep owning WWE. Right, he has no reason to continue at this point. That talk of sale yeah. becomes a heck of a lot more prevalent. Definitely, and he 
if he can't run it, I don't think he ever want. I don't think he really wants Stefan H running it. I think he wants somebody to come in and out and buy it. He can monetize it and die a very rich man. I don't think they want to. Honestly, I don't think they want to run it either. I think Triple H wanted to run it at one point in his life, but it feels like now that neither of them really want that life. And I mean, if they sell the company, they will be fabulously wealthy too and won't ever have to do anything again. I mean, ah. they don't already, but they'll do something else. But I just, I don't think they want it anymore. I want to talk about the history of Vince McMahon. Yeah, we'll get into that too. Right now. Let's get, you want to get into it right now? Let's yeah, I got it. nothing else to talk. There's nothing <laughs> else that warrants talk today than this story. Okay. And I don't even, we don't even have to run spots or sponsors. Like we can go through, straight through if you want. It's whoa, up to you. Whoa. You're the producer. You're going to make that call. But- I was thinking over the weekend of all the things Vince did right and all the things he did wrong over time. And I'll tell you the things that he did right were almost all in the 1980s. And I'm talking WrestleMania. I'm talking Saturday night's main event. I'm talking rock and wrestling. I'm talking Cindy Lauper, MTV, Hulkamania. All of that was in the 1980s. That brings up a thought for me. He did all those things right, and the things you're talking about, why did he lose touch with those methods? Because those methods that were he did in the 80s, obviously Cindy Lauper now is not maybe the draw, but all those the basic methods around that are transferable to, to, to because today. Because pop culture changes. I know, so, but you got to change with it. Yeah, so in the 1980s, bear in mind that the people who were running the territories were... There, what do you hear me complain about today? That the promoters of independent wrestling think, oh, three po- or four posts and three ropes are all that matters. And what happens inside is all we need to sell, right? That's all they think. They think wrestling is wrestling and people buy wrestling. And in 83, right around the time of the expansion, he realized you had to go bigger with showbiz. Yeah. And you had to make it less about actual in-ring contest and more about glitz and glamour. Today, independent wrestling promoters could learn from what Vince did in 1983. They won't. Trust me, they won't. I've been talking for 13 weeks. I've drawn a roadmap for them in 13 episodes. Every promoter in North America could take two tricks from any episode of the Total Bishi Show. They don't. They won't because they think they know better. And the, and the attendance will stay the same and the, pro, the production will stay the same. But in 1983, 84... You see a pivot with with Vince's vision where Bob Backlund's out and Jimmy Snuka's out and Hulk Hogan's in, Sergeant Slaughter's out, and rock and wrestling became the thing. Yeah. And it was the best thing that ever happened to the industry. And we all owe a big thank you to Vince for that. He revolutionized and modernized a dying business. If, if that doesn't happen in 83, where would professional wrestling be as television changed by 1995. Yeah. Dead. It would be dead because things were already spinning that way. I I think Rick, I think the NWA and some of those territories might've worked into 90. Yeah. Right. Vince expedited the death of them. Would AWA have changed with the times? No. No. Cartoons changed in the eighties. Pop culture changed in the eighties. Movies changed in the eighties. You know, what's amazing to me when you watch a movie today from 1993 and you or like 1991, 92, 93 with the production standards then, and you watch a movie now and you're like, Oh, well it ages well is what you think. It's not, it's not the end of the world. Like it's clearly there's new technology, but the, 
1993 movie doesn't look like ancient history. Now go back to 85 and watch movies from 1977. Yeah. And it looks old. The styles are weird and the color and the grain of the video. So technology changed so dramatically up until 83. When Vince then took the business to where he took it, those territories who all think, oh, Vince put us out of business. They all would have went out of business anyway because they they were old, stubborn, and they thought they knew better. And they did not want to change. Yeah, and that, that was the territory issue was a lack of change booking the same things, always people in boxes, things of that nature. Oh, we're wheeling out a surprise box. Who could it be in the box? Like just really old hat booking. I love old school territory wrestling. I love watching it too. But, but if you didn't, if you didn't put a new edge to the presentation yes. or the effort to promote it, nowadays, it would never fly back in the 1980s. When, when WWF Saturday night main event was a big deal. It was as good or better than any pro sport. It was miles ahead of the NHL. The NFL wasn't as str- nearly as strong. There was no sports league that presented television in the 1980s better than WWF presented Saturday Night Main Event. Yeah, you're complete, completely right about that. And then then they all rocketed past eventually. More money not very behind long, it, but more yeah. sponsors, more more glitz and glamour to sports. So Vince in the eighties, everything he touched went to gold. Think about this. Roddy Piper, Hulk Hogan, behind Hulk Hogan, Roddy Piper, Randy Savage. Even he got every last drop out of Andre the Giants. Yeah. Like you think about it, like 80, 85, 86, Andre was kind of becoming overly stale as that big baby face. He He didn't have the mullet. He cut the mullet down. Turns him heel, gets the last bit of gas out of that million dollar man, Ted Ted DiBiase. He and even Ultimate Warrior, he got way more out of Ultimate Warrior than anybody should have got. Yeah, I mean, and Bret Hart was eighty eight. No, that's think. not even. They Bret brought, was nineteen nineties. You can't talk about eighties Bret Hart as anything more than a supporting cast. Oh, for sure, he was a supporting cast, but he was still good. He yeah, was still but part it, it wasn't until ninety two. Right after this, like when even the first intercontinental title run might not have taken. Yeah. The second one was good when he beat, uh, who did he win the second one? Piper. And then he loses it to Davey and right away wins the world title. It's, it's 92, 93 that he becomes that the guy they could believe in. And even then they didn't believe in him. Diesel was a disaster. Yeah. Now we, let's pivot awful. to the nineties. Yes. Everything he touched failed. Uh, Hart as champion should have worked. It definitely worked better coming out of WrestleMania 10 yeah. than going into WrestleMania 9. He uh, he loses to Yoko. Yoko loses to Hogan. Ho- Hogan loses it back to Yoko. It was like he, the guy was trying old tricks that did not work anymore. He was trying, and he was kind of doing the shotgun method. Like No, not at first. Changing the title that much. He was throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what stuck. That's all you he could say doing. that, but in, if you think about it, the title change he should have made was in '94 with Luger. Yeah, and he he lost the '93 with Luger, and he he lost the the confidence in Luger. So yeah. you know, like in '93, in like 1990 to '96 is a real dark time for WWF. They did not yeah. know, and Vince did not. He lost his he lost his grip on what was working. He tried WBF, it failed. His 
like it really Shawn Michaels kind of was a pivot point when he became a heel that gave them a, a good heel. But they he went had, smaller. He had Diesel and Bob Backlund. Diesel was a terrible champion. D- D- but so was Bob. I mean, Diesel. I, I love watching Bob Backlund. Don't get me wrong. I think he's a character. But they put, put them putting the title. He on only Bob, had a forty-eight hour, hour title reign. I know, but it's just it's ludicrous. It wasn't ludicrous. It was ludicrous. They at did his it. Age. They did a screw job finish. Got the belt off Brett so that Brett didn't so that Diesel didn't have to beat a babyface to get it. Uh, the problem with Diesel was he, the build to him turning babyface was epically good, and then the reality of him turning babyface yeah. was kind of bad. And and then they didn't have the right heels for him to work with. Was he just not able to work as a babyface? Do you no, think? No, he went from being that cool heel, like Razor Ramon turned babyface a lot better than Diesel did. Well, that's that's why I asked because I can't recall. I in my mind I can't recall. You can tell Kevin I'm Nash a lapsed ever fan. being a really effective baby like a really effective baby but they face? didn't have killer heels for him but I, is like, there any other time in his career though where he was a really effective baby face because i don't even think during well he re- never really was a baby face after wwf uh, nwo red red no Black, he that, was for that was cool tweener stuff on kevin nash all i will say is this he wins the title from brett or from backland right after survivor series and he goes into a program with sean michaels so you go from a monster baby face wrestling an undersized heel. There's your problem. His first program isn't a good program for him. Yeah. That like, and I know why they went there and it, it worked for Michaels, but it did not work for Nash. You can't have a baby face champ. Like Hogan never took on smaller, smaller heels. No. Or, well, Orndorff, but Orndorff, they they really told a story of how Orndorff got the heat on Hogan. Yeah, and, and calling him smaller, I mean, Orndorff was a pretty big guy. Pretty yeah. big guy. I mean, but that's just a... The formula on Hogan that worked was King Kong Bundy, Andre the Giant, One Man Gang, Kamala. Hell of a run with Big Boss Man. Yeah, like yeah. it was always guys that could make Hogan look vulnerable. They never did that with, with, Na- with Nash until I think they tried it with Sid at some point, maybe. I don't know. See, the money in, in Nash's champion would have been against a heel Razor Ramon. Yeah. Similar in size, right? But they didn't they didn't go there. Either way, it didn't work. Nash Nash did kept, uh, Diesel didn't draw ch- money as champion. But the prelude to him, for the Royal Rumble in ninety four, a year before he turns babyface, he was the very like everyone knew he was gonna be a big deal. That's where Vince can really mess up when you're gonna strap the strap the machine to somebody. The first programs, it's why Ultimate Warrior never drew his champion. He wins the belt from Hogan and his his next run was with Rick Rude, who um He'd already beat for the Intercontinental title. Yeah. And there was no vulnerability on Warrior. And then he loses to a dark horse like Slaughter. The ma- the money would have been in, in Savage. The money would have been in um, uh, when Warrior's champion. Not even, D- I don't even think DiBiase or Henning would have been money with with. With, uh, they would have Warrior. to be elevated quite a bit to yeah. If they'd gotten Psycho Sid at that point, it might have drawn money. Definitely. So so there's things that Vince did really well the '80s and in the '90s it didn't work because. Society, technology, everything, prop culture, it all changes. So what are some things that stick out to you from the, the late 80s to the mid-90s that he did wrong? For me, uh, it was the, the, the movement towards guys that were freakish, freakishly big but couldn't really, couldn't really work per se. Uh, some of the really big jacked up guys that were obviously gassed up. Um, At the time, though, people didn't realize that those guys couldn't work. Remember, he was catering to 
nine-year-old kids. But he was, ki- he yeah, was he was selling ki- superheroes. He was he was doing the Northeast style though. He, what do you, he was not he wasn't capturing like that NWA style. That's no, why people he didn't want wrestling but, but that's, matches. But that's why people crapped all over it in you know south of. Yeah, but uh, he had the distribution on Saturday mornings, which was really his stronghold, which was cartoon, right? That's who he, he wasn't competing with NWA. He was competing with He-Man. Yeah. He was competing with superheroes and, and Thundercats. He didn't care about, and he didn't have to care about Crockett promotions. In the late eighties, what he did wrong is when he pivoted from Hogan to Warrior, he needed to have a really good heel right there warmed up and ready so that warrior could beat that good heel and then go into SummerSlam, beat a different good heel. Like John Tenta does the program with Hogan when John Tenta getting steam on warrior might've drawn more money. It would have, I think. I don't know, maybe, but I think Hogan wanted no part of working with Rick Rude. So the pivot from, from the eighties to the nineties was a real rough patch. And you could see they made so many mistakes. They made all the good things happen in the eighties. Then they make the mistakes going into the nineties. It gets real bad in 95, 96. And then attitude era worked. Now the attitude era only worked because they used elements of reality and turned their TV show around what it was real. I always say that that's what every promoter needs to do. They need to have credible, legitimate rivalries, credible, legitimate heat, credible, legitimate, like anger and hate, but they don't do that. Uh, It doesn't even need to be real per se. It has to be real to the performer. Like if you, if you ever watch the Michael Jordan documentary, he talks about how he would almost invent things to get himself pissed off at the other team. Like they said this and they never said that, you know, they said yeah. this. It's, Work yourself up and, to uh, dislike Mick, who you're. Mick Foley talked about that in his book too, about how he would, he, he didn't, he didn't make anything up, but he'd always try to, he'd find something. He'd find something like something for a reason for a heel turn, for example, like Kane Dewey. That, that was his reason for turning heel there. Yeah. And I mean, that was months before, but it was perfect. You know? So what really worked for Vince in the nineties, late nineties was reactionary. WCW was killing him using a real life storyline that was all fiction, but it seemed real enough to fans that they were excited about it. See what fans liked during the Monday night war wasn't what was actually programmed in matches. It was the two rivalries of the two companies that you could feed off of. Even today, the number one thing that a wrestling fan likes is, Oh, I don't like WWE, but I like all elite. Yeah. And, and they're like, I want all elite to pull ahead. And that's what, inspires them to want to watch All Elite. So in the late 90s, what you saw Vince doing was reacting to what had worked for NWO, They'd be and WWE had become the underdog, and he started to push that new generation of talent. Not, I guess it wasn't called new generation. That was the previous generation. Yeah. But it was, he decided he had to run with the ponies he had left, which was Steve Austin, Shawn Michaels to a degree, who was winding down soon enough, and um, like just a brand new crop of guys. Brett was still sort of in the mix. Taker, Mick Foley. Yeah. And he, the, out of dependency, those guys became the ponies and they and they got hot because the program, every time you watched Monday Night Raw, it had an element of, of spontaneity, combustibility, um, thing, thing. It didn't seem contrived or planned. Well, that that's what's good. That's why I like All Elite. I mean, I'm, I'm not a big All Elite fan, fan but I watch it, and I, I can't watch 
Every last anymore. fan that watches any wrestling now, it's all elite. Yeah, I, let's be honest. Because it's it feels gritty and it feels like I I don't necessarily like what happens in the ring, but it feels gritty and it feels like Raw when Raw got hot. It, it's and now when you watch Raw, you have these weird graphics on the screen that are so so crispy, clean, and so slick, and it just feels so homogenized. Well, and their broadcast looks more like NFL than it does like pro wrestling. Like these graphics, these are three D graphics. I don't know if you watched it, but they've no. got these weird three D. It's it's insane, Mike. It's you have lost to watch. on me. It's, it's totally insane. Even the Raw set. When I talk about edgy. Mm-hmm. actual physical edges there's no edges to the set it now goes like this. it goes like up in a circular pattern it's all smooth you're jumping ahead pal i i am i uh, i i get so fired up about yeah. it but let's i want to go back to one other point yeah before we do that i you mentioned bret hart i don't think he gets enough credit for k- kicking off the attitude era because yeah, he's the 100% biggest reason I why it worked. I don't think he gets enough credit because he was doing a lot of that stuff before the screw job. The, the screw job is really the catalyst that kicked it off. That isn't he, the catalyst of the Attitude Era. But they, he, he, they, he, their he, overall feel changed. I know what you're, I'm sorry to cut you off, but his, right after WrestleMania, when he when he does the double turn, yeah. is actually what turned business around. That's what I'm talking about. And I don't think I don't think the average fan recognizes that. I think they recognize that the screw job made Vince McMahon into a real character, even though he, he, he was already becoming one. He was already in the process of becoming yeah. Mr. McMahon, but that really pushed it over I the edge. I think the hints of the Attitude Era start with Goldust. Yeah. In 95, I think it was, 95. Yeah. I think that was the hint of attitude when they created the character. And, and I don't think they saw that being the the beginning, but I think that's actually the seed of attitude where they realized, okay, we got to change. And um, it was flukier than anything. But before the attitude era, I, I started talking about attitude era and I forgot to talk about what should have ended WWF in the early 1990s. It wasn't ster- the steroid scandal. It was Vince's, if, if, if Vince had dealt with the, the Ring Boy scandal in the early 90s, like he does today, like if he'd handled that scandal then today, yeah. he would have been dead in the water. They would have thought he was in denial. They would have thought he didn't have the moral compass to run an enterprise like that. Sponsors would not touch it. 1992 is so different from 2022, 30 years difference. You could get away with stuff in the 90s that you cannot do now. Okay, so for the uninitiated, tell us about the scandal. So the scandal in 1991 or 92 starts to come out that Mel Phillips, who was a ring announcer, and a few other, uh, I don't want to name names and be wrong, but Mel Phillips, I think Terry Garvin might have been one. And even Pat Patterson got implicated, although I think he eventually got cleared. I think he got... He did, yeah. It looked bad, and then somebody was maybe lying about Pat, or history has forgiven Pat, one or the other. But there was... It was sexual exploitation of minors and saying to them, hey, you do this for me, and I'll get you on the ring crew. And they wanted to be around the business, and they were getting exploited. Yeah. It comes out in the early 90s, and it gets it makes the talk show circuit like Donahue and Larry King and all these places and Vince just comes off defiance like this is not the World Wrestling Federation he argues people down he browbeats them there's a famous Phil Donahue episode where John Arezzi and Dave Meltzer are on there and Bruno Sammartino and 
and Billy Graham. And they're all attacking Vincent. He's defiantly standing up saying it's not the case. But there was hush money paid and there was sweeping under the rug. And let's, Pat Patterson was actually uh, suspended or fired as vice president only to be brought back a year later, which is what you seem to think Vince is going to be able to do now. It doesn't work like that today. Back then you, you were ostracized or no, today you're ostracized. Back then you just hide in the shadows for a little bit and come back. Well, and I don't think he's going to come back. I, I think it's going to be in the shadows. He's going to come back. He's, he's going to done. start pulling the strings. Mm-mm. He's going to call up Stephanie on the phone. I don't like this. You need to change it to this, 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 this. Uh, he's I was not going to have Bruce. that kind of say. Well, this is interesting. We're jumping ahead a bit. We will go go back to this, uh, what we're talking about. What, about. what happens to Bruce Pritchard? I think Pritchard... He's done, right? Well, no. Would you think? No. I think he's done. See, not a lot of people know this, that in 2013 or 14... In 2010, I almost hired Bruce Pritchard for WFX. He ended up in TNA at that time. 2013 or 14, right after he was done in TNA, he's on before he ever launched a podcast, I started talking to him about a project. And he said, I'm always open to offers. Only thing is, I don't work for free. And we discussed a project and... project that I thought would be easy to get into Canadian TV. Yeah. And I wanted him to be a consultant. The Bruce Pritchard of today is so different than the Bruce Pritchard of 2002. Yeah, definitely. The ego is checked. And you can tell like in the podcast, he is a different man than the guy he was. And I think he's able to exist in, in a corporate world today better than ever before. He's a hard worker. He's a smart guy. And I think he's become a bit of a yes man though. That doesn't, that's how you get a, that's how you make it in the world. In the corporate world. Yeah. Like yeah. I know a guy, one of my best friends, I always say is so polished, but he just knows how to, he always knows how to land on his feet, how to stand, how to stand out and not act out. Right. Right. That's what, that's how you make it in the, in the real world. That's why a lot of independent or wrestling people have a hell of a time making it outside of wrestling because they, the wrestling world is a weird, deceptive, incestuous kind of relation. Like it's weird. I can't even explain it right now. Cause I, I didn't think about that as something to talk about, but like people who excel in wrestling often don't have the skills to make it in other realms. I had trouble with it. Definitely. When I tried to be a television sportscaster right in my early twenties, I came from a world in wrestling where you, where you, to stop the guy next to you from getting ahead, you, you cut his legs out from him if you could, right? And that stuff doesn't work in the real world. Wrestlers are naturally paranoid people, and I'm on a sidebar here, but they're naturally paranoid people. They're naturally, they only know the environment they exist in. They don't ever envision a world outside of that environment. And they have a false sense of importance based on being a wrestling star, that it isn't, it isn't real, right? So... My thought is Bruce in this day and age has developed that skill to be able to be valuable. He, he knows everything and anything about wrestling. He knows the broadcast and entity. He's a very smart guy and he knows how not to get cause heat at this stage of his life. I think he's going to be totally fine. Do you think he wants to stay as the next thing? Because I think he's built up this podcast. He's made his money in the business. Well, if he, he could, Imagine this. Walk away and do his podcast. And what if he was able to get Vince McMahon to do a weekly podcast? That would be incredible. That would I, he, he Vince would never do it, but that would be incredible. You, you, how, why do you say that? I just don't see it. I just, I don't know why. I just don't see it. I don't see Vince ever doing it. To I, be able to. 
I would bet he money now, that he won't. He now lost his ability to express his freedom in WWE programming. And I know you think, oh, in a year he's going to be back. It's not, I don't think it's happening. He then could launch a podcast with Conrad, with Bruce, where he gets to share his, I think right now what Vince should do is do an autobiography yeah. and sell his movie rights. I don't, I don't, well, they were trying to do a movie. Did you not hear about that? It's been put on, it's been iced because of the scandal. Well, now's the time to self-finance it. Yeah, he could. Tell it his way before it gets told. Right now, his the name, book is, yes, his definitely. name is going to take a bit of a beating. Mm-hmm. He has the ability to, but we're, we're getting way sidebar here. Bruce Pritchard survives this if Bruce Pritchard wants to. If Bruce Pritchard wants to go make a healthy living doing his podcast and having fun with Conrad, that's what he'll do. But I think he stays in and, and keeps pushing. We're back in 1991, the scandal. That should have ended Vince right there, the way he handled that. You know what else should have, ha- which should have ended Vince? Owen Hart's death. Yeah. The definitely. decision that the show was more important than a man's life. Yeah. That should have been a bad enough scandal. If that happens today and he decides that the show is more important I bet you he, the the company takes a beating that they didn't take in 99. Yeah. They were hot in 99. That's why they got away with it in 99. Yeah. Yeah. And, but just people that, that saw, witnessed that in the arena still having to sit through the rest of the show, even like that's crazy in itself. Pay-per-view audience. That's just bananas though. Like it's the pay-per-view audience didn't see the actual fall. The people that were in the arena, can you imagine the kids in the front row? Well, you still had a marketplace that was watching the pay-per-view realized that an injury occurred and the guy died. Yeah, like that, but just, I just can't imagine I wonder sitting what would that. happen in an NFL game because it's been generations since I believe it's happened in-game. I, I, would, I wouldn't even know off the top of my head. It's been a long time in the NHL. It's happened in the KHL where a guy died on the bench. Yeah. But, um, and it's been... But what would happen in an NHL game today if a guy dropped and and passed? They would call the game immediately. Yeah, they'd shut it down. And I think the same thing with the NFL. And in, if in 1999 was today and they decided the show must go on, the world would say, Vince, your show is not half as important as the, as the man who just lost his life. Well, even in 99... The NHL, the NFL, those entities you mentioned, I still think they, they wouldn't have continued. I can't imagine a even world then. where they would have. So, like, it, it doesn't matter. The, the time period's almost irrelevant. It's ridiculous. See, in most sports injuries like that, the guy wouldn't be dead. Like, it would be, Owen wasn't pronounced dead at the scene. But before the end, like, if the, before that game ended, if they found out that the injured party died, they would call the game, I would imagine. Yep, absolutely. But so if that was today and Vince, these are boneheaded moves that Vince made. I just said the sex scandal, the way he stood up to it with absolutely no morsel of sympathy or potential credibility to the victims. He tried to victim shame. Yeah, he did. 100%. And then if Owen's death had, a death like Owen's had happened today and he decided, well, the show, the show is more important. He would be, he would be done with credibility. He should be, when you look back at the positives, you got to look back at the negatives, Yeah, right? That's what today is. When I said, well, you know, I'm still reeling over Vince's announcement. Let's talk about Vince. Absolutely. That would be one of the negatives. All right, Mike, let's take a break right here. Oh, your producer's going to make me stop. Yeah, we're going to take a break and we're going to come back uh, after these messages from our sponsor. 
This episode of the Total Bees Cheese Show is powered by FirstRow.ca, Canada's online collectible store where you'll find the coolest sports cards, autographs from your favorites, action figures, and of course, wrestling collectibles galore. As a loyal Total Bees Cheese Show listener, you can get 10% off your order using the code BEESCHEESE. Again, the code is B-E-E-Z. S-H-E-E-Z, one word, and receive 10% off your order. Firstrow.ca, Canada's online collectible store. We're back, Mike. We're composed. And while on that break, I happened to take a look at my Facebook. Funny little uh, anecdotes by one of my friends here. Kind of odd that Vince McMahon retires from WWE over a scandal that he was having affairs with his female employees. This is only weird because the plot of their TV show for the past 30 years was Vince McMahon having affairs with female employees. Well, not 30 years. No, but there was one angle with Tori Wilson. Trish Stratus. Oh, yeah. an angle. Um sure there was others. It feels like there there were others. Yeah. Don, he did one with Don Marie, did he not? Or am I think am I You know, up? you're probably right. Yeah. But that was like a short period of the they were all on the roster at the same time, so it was like one whole angle that he was just being like that as part of his heel persona. Yeah, like thirty years is a stretch. It was like a ten year period, I would say. But yeah. yeah. But so ninety nine Owen passes away. That to me is a sick scandal that should have sunk him. Especially the way he handled that trial, because a lot of people thought he was bullying Martha Hart, in a way. I think he was posturing more than anything. Yeah. And then there's the Nancy Ar- Agostino thing, Ar- or what was it, Agostino? Uh, Argentino. Argentino. Yeah. That, that one was ugly, where Jimmy Snuka may or may not have killed her. And that was the early 90s that that, that happened. That was 80s, 1983. Yeah, and then it sort of started, it kind of got some steam again in the early 90s and went away, and then it got some steam again. In- I don't remember the steam in the early 90s other than Muchnick used to bring it up. Yeah. Like, this is a guy who is not immune, like he was not crystal clean on anything. Uh, over the course of his, we're, we're talking really 83 to 20, 22, 39 years of running WWF, WWE. Yeah. And then after 99, he wins the Monday Night War against his arch rival, Ted Turner, buys the competition, and everyone thinks, God, it's going to be an explosion for them. And it bombed. Yeah. He bombed it because he didn't understand how to make his opponent look strong for the sake of making money in an angle. Yeah, he, he put all of his guys over, the WCW guys. The invasion angle them. was the beginning of the end of the Monday night, of the Attitude Era, the end of yeah. the end of a run that was so strong for TV numbers. Steve Austin was the most popular guy in the world for wrestling. Rock was huge. They had, they had nothing but momentum, and he did not know. I, I think that that was a real dark time for WWE. They'd just gone public a year before. He'd, run, he'd launched the XFL and it had failed. And then he forgot what worked in 1999. And by 2002 and three, he was trying to reinvent the wheel. And it, it, it's just like a steady little slow decline. 2002, 2003, Batista, Orton, H all become really, really top guys. Uh, Jeff and Matt Hardy, uh, Edge becomes a real top guy. So he turns the page with some great talent to build around. But how he built becomes sort of 
that's the beginning of where they started to have lapsed fans. Yeah, because the booking became rather schizophrenic during that time. Like you saw one guy way up on top and the next week he was being booked a little bit weaker and you're like, he took on the world last week. What happened? Back in the 60s and 70s, you grew into being a wrestling fan. You didn't grow out of being a wrestling fan. Yeah. As a kid, you maybe didn't like wrestling, but as an adult, you liked it as an alternative to boxing. By the 1980s, he went after just kids. Then in 1990, did an abrupt sharp turn in the late 90s to go after the teenage boys and the early adult men. And then he goes back, like he didn't know, he had an identity crisis from 2002 onwards where he didn't know who his target market was. And that's what happened with, uh, I guess they call it the reckless, ruthless ruthless aggression aggression era. And that was, uh, you know, he gets Shawn Michaels back on the roster. He gets Guerrero, uh, Guerrero Benoit, uh, Perry Saturn, Dean Malenko, like he had nothing but talent after the, after yeah. he buys WCW, brings in Booker T. Should have been able to do a brand extension there with WCW keeping that entity strong that he bought. When you buy a, an asset like WCW, you should be able to have some way of of positioning it as a as an op, as an opportunity. And he bombed it. He, yeah, he just basically stripped it for parts, and that was it. Part of that too was the TV networks. He had just done that deal a year before to go to TN, TNN. Yeah. And so they said, no, you can't run a competing television entity on a different network. Yeah. So that hurt him because then they, then he looked at doing a Saturday night show late, which ended up becoming Velocity. He thought, oh, maybe that could be a WCW spot. No, that failed. He didn't know in the early, in the 90s and 2000s, he did not know how to touch gold. He got lucky with Stone Cold. He got lucky with The Rock. But that was more adjusting in a very, it was easy for wrestling fans to want to watch both programs. It was easy. It should have been easy based on the competition of the two companies to get them hot. Well, and a lot of that was the guys themselves. I mean, Austin and The Rock, oh, you know, they they, well, should, I, they get a lot of credit for being. Yeah, the story is always that Rock became The Rock when Jim Ross said, be more like Deion Sanders and talk in third party. Yeah. And that caught on. Um, but if he does not, does he create one star the size of Rock or Austin ever again? No, I don't think so. No, definitely not. I'm trying to think of who he created. Like I know Orton, Batista, Lesnar. Lesnar's a huge star that yeah. he creates in that era, but he never ever fully gained. Orton too. I, I yeah, mean, with it, even with good talent, he never could get the product hot like it was in the Monday Night War, and that's a product too of of. The world changing, the market changing, and you know? and him not changing with the times because, like I like I alluded to earlier, a lot of those old hat methods will work with an update, but they don't put a new coat. They they try to put a new coat of paint on the same idea with the same concept all the way through. It doesn't work. Like nobody gives a crap about somebody coming out of a box, but it could be something else. You know that's why everyone talks about that Kurt Angle milk truck segment. That was a takeoff of the beer bath thing. It was a new coat of paint on something they'd already done, but it was good and it was yeah. funny and it made sense and all that sort of stuff. So it's an interesting time. He goes through a little bit of scandals in the mid in the mid two thousands too, where yeah. he start wrestlers start dying young, and and the, and there starts to be questions about that. Eddie Guerrero dies as an active member of his roster of a heart attack at like under thirty. I think he was thirty seven. Yeah, 
And then Benoit kills himself, kills his family. Yeah, and that could have, like, I actually, that could have sunk him. At that time, I thought WWE is going to be, like, they're going to get scrutinized. There's going to be government, um, government uh, control like over wrestling. Yeah. yeah. They're going to want to know drugs, steroids, what what's causing wrestlers to die young. And if he managed to avoid that. And that, that doesn't happen in the States, so they get they get away with so much stuff in the U.S. I thought there was going to be government oversight just because, at that time, the whole talk in baseball was steroids. The whole talk in pro yeah. sp- like, you got to think, like, wrestling is its own unique genre, and it's thanks to Vince it's that. Yeah. But it's not pro sport, and it's entertainment, but it's... It's a weird form of entertainment. That, well, that's that's exactly it. That that's the key word right there. Entertainment. When when Vince dubbed it sports entertainment, that's what shifted everything. That's what removed it from the same conversation as Major League Baseball, NHL, like steroids in those sports. Now it's like there's steroids in wrestling. Well, yeah, it's sports entertainment, of course. Vince has done better than anybody else chasing women away from wrestling. Yeah. So in the territory era. You hear so many stories that there was so many groupies yeah. that wanted Tommy Rich in Georgia or want like they the girls came to shows and loved it. Right. And yeah, everyone rock and roll, yeah. Everyone always has a romantic version of history that oh the girls and the money and die. Uh, right. Like you've ever heard me talk about Vince Mc, uh, sorry, Vance Nevada. Yeah. <laughs> the other V. Yeah. Um and I and by comparable I I Managed to land more girls. I made more money. Yeah. That should make me more successful by that standard, right? But now, like, now WWE's chased away any girl, even though they have attractive men on their roster. Yeah. But they don't know how to cater to women. They haven't since the end of the Attitude Era. Back at the end of the Attitude Era, women wanted to see what Rocky Maivia or The Rock was going to say next, or they loved Steve Austin's intensity, or they loved Edge's hair, or they loved... You know, there was something that they loved about somebody on the roster. There they, was, they completely ignore women now. That's the no, problem. Well, that's not true. They have an entire women's division. No, not that. They don't ignore that. They ignore catering to women. The women's division doesn't cater to no, women. No, that's for that men. That caters for, to men. But it should cater to women. Young girls should watch their... I know and maybe, girls maybe they under do. the age of 10 who watch WWE because they look at those women like heroes. Yeah, maybe they do, but we're talking about adult women. They're not, they're ignoring, no, I know, they're ignoring them. You got to, you got to develop it as, you know, as a generational advancement, right? Yep. It starts as a, as a kid fan and it becomes a teenage fan and becomes an adult fan. And they've got lots of people on the roster that could be the sex symbol to draw in the women. But to your point, they're not booking it properly. They're not it's booking it that way. You know what ended up happening with wrestling? Back and it's as a whole, it's you see it on the independent scene. You see it. WWE sets the trend for the entire industry. So what happened was the kind of people who were involved in wrestling changed. Used to be a bunch of guys who liked yeah. to get together and drink a few beers, shoot the sh- shoot the she's she's yeah, and they liked to conjugate with females. So they they developed a game of talking to women, right? And then it became guys who like hanging out with guys. And I'm not, it's not a homosexual thing. No. Let me make that clear. But it's like, it became a, a guy activity, like, you know, playing chess or talking sports, watching baseball together. It, that became the rest, what wrestling became is it became more things that guys talk about amongst guys. than it became guy with his girlfriend, girlfriend would, would like to sit and watch on the, watch yeah. it on the couch. UFC became about guys and girls who guys, girlfriends who'd watch, um, NHL hockey girls watch it. 
NFL football girls watch it. In fact, they follow it just as vigorously as guys. Definitely. So that's on Vince. Like this is, I gave Vince kudos for what he did right in the eighties. What he did wrong. One of the things he did wrong is not understanding how to keep the product relevant with females. And that's because of the big thing he did wrong. So we, we've talked about without going into talent and we talked about everything he did right in the eighties. We talked about everything he did wrong in the nineties, how he pivoted and got it back in the nineties, how he screwed up buying WCW, the scandals. Here's what he did wrong worse than anything. When he decided to pivot away from bookers who had a wrestling instinct. Yes. That's what used to work. You had a wrestling instinct. He should have known how to produce what wrestling instinct knew how to develop. Wrestling instinct will develop angles and characters that can draw wrestling fans. And he should have had the wherewithal to focus on the production and the promotion and the glamorization of that. But that's not what he did. And it started with Russo, believe it or not. Russo and Ferrero, I think, were the two first wrestling writers. Writers are the thing that killed. If you look at 39 years of Vince McMahon's time, after he goes to writers in 1999, 98, 97 maybe, it goes downhill. Because wrestling writers think, oh, this would be a good story. Let's do this story. Let's create. And wrestling isn't about wrestling. Everyone says, oh, it's the story, but it isn't that it's about, I'm coming into a territory. I know who I want to be. I'm going to be Mike Davidson, the guy who says whatever he wants to say, and he's going to piss people off. And some guys are going to want to punch him. And some girls are going to want to slap him. Some people are going to want to spit on him. This sounds autobiographical. That's a heel. And when I get a chance to say what I need to say, I'm going to talk them into wanting to see me get my comeuppance. Yes. Yeah. Right. It's at its basis. Wrestling is a morality. Do not script me how to do that. I can do that by talking about Adam Knight or Vance Nevada or what's wrong in the world. Right. And believe it or not, I am actually a 99% positive thinker in the world. When you listen to me tell you what's wrong with Adam Knight, you might think I'm a negative Ned, but I'm not. I'm a positive Pete to the 10th power. But They got away from that. Oh, read this because we want you to say this because it'll play into our vision of where the story is going to go. And it's not organic. It's not natural. And then the guys are in the ring trying to remember, oh, I'm supposed to do this. I'm supposed to portray this. And it stopped being natural instinct of wrestling, selling wrestling. Yeah. Well, yeah. And like when somebody, I get the idea of writers. Why would they need to do that? They don't need them though. Why did they need to do that? The guys... If they ha- want something to get over, an a- like we want this over an angle, they should hand them an din- index card that has a bullet point and then say, you find a way to get this over that way. Not, hey, here's a verb, because they get verbatim promos now. They're like double space written out promos. And like, here you go. That's no good. Like the wrestlers are supposed to be able to talk for themselves. There's not a, there's not too many people in the business who can talk. Who, you can trust them to talk. MJF can talk. I don't know. I don't know if that's true. I think there's. I think there's still guys out there that can do it. I think like, a lot of times I watch promos like today. Seth Rollins. I think he could talk if he if he was given the chance. There's guys like that. So um, go back and watch 1986, 90, 1985 UWF. Right, Bill Watts. Yeah. Go back and watch Jim Crockett's 1986, 87, 88. Go back and watch WWF 19. Even Hulk Hogan used to cut very believable promos. Yeah. He'd get in his zone and he'd deliver his lines before they decided we need to script everything. 
the whole thing was, I'm going to make more money if more people hate me. Well, you don't have to tell me how to, I can tell you how I can make people hate me. I can also make you, I can also give you a clinic on how I can make people like me and how I have been able to make people like me. I've always lived life. I'm talking about me and not Vince today. I want to talk about Vince, not me. I've always lived life where every time I walked into a room, the thing I would hate the most is if 10 people didn't have an opinion about me. If I did not stand out and 10 people couldn't remember me. I didn't care if seven people hated me, two people liked me, and one person was indifferent. Yeah, no, indifference is the death. I consider that 90% successful. Yes. That 90% had a strong opinion. That means they didn't forget me, right? Now, I got better with it and more polished where it was maybe more like five people liked me, three people wondered about me, and two people didn't care. And that was worse because only 80% had the opinion. It's easier to make people not like you than like you. Definitely. So it should be very easy to get heels over and hot because if you have any personality at all, you should be able to make people dislike you if you wanted to. Well, it it goes back to your earlier point, uh, the reality of the program, like the heel has to be justified and the, the, their reasons that are being written for them are wishy-washy. They're, you know, they're used dishwater as far as I'm concerned. I look a lot at the super indies right now. I'm starting to try to study that. I'm not going to name names. Even locally, these guys all want, they don't want to be natural a character. They don't want, they, they'll try to be something. They sp- want to play a role. They're, yeah. Like, oh, I'm, I'm this, whatever it is, right? I, I don't want to throw anyone under the bus today. I'm actually going to try to say positive things. But if I was going to be a, a character on a wrestling show, I wouldn't say, oh, I want to be the outlaw. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not an outlaw. <laughs> there we go again. But I would be Mike Davidson. I'll let you decide what you call Mike Davidson. But I'm coming in to be a heel. I'm going to be Mike Davidson. I'm going to make you hate me, Chris. I could do that in a minute. Definitely. I could say something that would piss you off. I could brag about something that would make, would piss you off. I could tell you a story that would piss you off, or I could do something that would piss you off. And I'm a heel. Guess what? Now you want me to be a good guy, a baby face? I could do that too. And let me tell you why I would not like, I don't like that somebody did that. I just have to react to what they're doing and stand up for myself. And be clever and cool about it. Yeah. And I could easily be a good guy. Be dependable. I'm someone you know will stop that, right? As long as you can believe in me to be able to hold my own, I could be a baby face against the heel. But they tried to come up with all these weird things that made wrestling terrible. Like, oh, you care about the quality of the match. That is never going to draw wrestling fans, except the hardcores. Talking is what's going to make wrestling work. And when it's natural, but they don't get it. And they never, and that's thanks to Vince. That's the thing he deserves the kick in the ass out the door for more than anything is thinking these Hollywood writers knew more about wrestling instincts than anything else. Yeah. Well, he, hom- he homogenized, he homogenized I don't everything. Use words that wrestling fans understand. Well, what does you, homogenized mean? Well, if you've ever looked at a, at a bottle of milk, it says homogenized milk on it. Basically, yeah. What, how, Basically what he's done, he's sterilized it. Is that better for you? Maybe, maybe. Yeah. If you didn't explain it to me, I'd be like, what does he mean by homogenized? So he made it more like, well, we'll get you more plain, more plain, more plain. (laughs) Yes. Well, bear in mind, most wrestling fans don't, don't look at a thesaurus, right? So they, they're going to want you to put it in their terms. Are you cutting a heel promo now? Yeah. (laughs) That means (laughs) I'm getting under your skin. I feel like that's the start of a heel promo right now. You're talking about, no, it wasn't my skin. You're talking about most wrestling fans. I don't consider myself. Oh, no. I don't think, let me tell you about wrestling (laughs) fans as I backtrack. Yes. Wrestling fans have found the thing they like about today's wrestling 
to support with their with their pocketbook, right? Whether that's AEW, whether that's some super indie, whether that's the local in outfit, they have and they are the most important part of the equation. They bet with their with their wallets. I'm I'm the least important of the equation because I'm a lapsed complainer about why it's not like it used to be. I wish it was more like that. There would be more people caring about wrestling if it was more like it used to be when it worked. Let people talk what comes natural to them. All right, Mike, let's take a quick break here. We're going to come back and we'll wrap everything up. The Total B She's Show releases new episodes every Monday. Follow the Total B She's Show on Twitter at Total B She's, on Instagram at Total B She's, or search us on Facebook, Total Bees She's. This is Wayne Stanton from Episode 6 of the Total Bees She's Show. If you're not listening to this podcast, I think you're a coward. All right, Mike, since we've dedicated this whole episode to Vince McMahon, we're not doing fan questions this week. We will uh, put that off till next week. We do. We are going to keep them. Don't worry, fans who've sent in your questions. But I do have three questions for us to, to cap things off. And um, this one's pretty easy, I think, because you kind of touched on it a little bit. But what's next for Vince? What do you think is going to be next for, for Vince? Because he doesn't seem like a lay-on-the-beach type of guy for very long anyway. So it depends on the scandal. Uh, if the scandal's really bad, he doesn't go into the Hall of Fame next WrestleMania. If the scandal's starting to let up, he goes into the Hall of Fame immediately. Yeah. Um, I think he's going to work on a book. I think he's going to tell a, do a tell-all of, of his experience, his life. I would love that. Uh, and I think it'll be a great book, and he'll make a lot of money on it. Um, at 77, I can't see him starting a business. I would love it if he started a podcast, but I, I would be shook. I'd be shocked if he does. Yeah. See, the thing is his legacy now is what he built WWE to be. Don't, don't waste that legacy by trying a football league. Don't, don't waste that legacy by, Oh, I'll just start a different wrestling league. Sell WWE, make a ton of money. Let the new ownership take the, take that brand in its own direction. And maybe that will work and maybe that'll bomb. Who knows? So is that what you see hap- is yeah, that happen? Yeah, that's WWE? my that's my speculation. That you, it, he's gonna it's gonna go. He'll sell it off. A, yeah, he has no reason to hold on to it. I don't think he's ever gonna get back the reins. He, no. he, and something weird would have to happen for him to come back. And it all depends on what the scandal ends up being. Like if it if it ever comes out that he hush money was paid to a victim, somebody who was forced. Yeah, which I'm speculating. I don't I don't think it goes there. But if something like that ever does come out, or if it ever goes to, if there's ever a face on this, like Trish Stratus says she left when she did because she got tired of his advances. Yeah. Someone like, it, they put a face to it and it's somebody that, and it, it looks really bad, then how does he come back, right? He, that's why I don't think he comes back. Yeah. I think what he should do now is kind of become the Grandpa Vince. Yeah. And soften that, that, hold his public image and just be happy go lucky older guy who you know has moved on with his life a vince mcmahon instagram account where he takes pictures with his grandchildren and well i believe hillary clinton is softened her her 
image after her run for presidency in 16. I bet you Bill Clinton has to soften his image a lot from, from the scandals. So he should maybe take a page from them. What's next for WWE? Okay, what's next for WWE? You could sell it, you said. I think they sell it. I think that they always remember Vince fondly. I think Vince McMahon will always be something that they can never walk away from in terms of the name, not the person, the name. McMahon, the name. Yeah, Vince McMahon, much like Vince McMahon Sr., I think that there will always be a positive light put on all the things he did, even if the scandal gets real bad. I think it's a temporary situation where Stephanie ends up the main person. H will always have a spot there. I think Pritchard will always have a like a, a job to do there. But I think you're going to see a, a major company come forward and buy it, whether that's Disney or whoever. And they're going to put their own people in place. And who knows how that's going to work for in-ring programming, right? Tony Khan's father. Who's that? I don't know. The guy who's got all the money. <laughs> the, guy, <laughs> the guy who bankrolled. Oh, a, Shad Khan. Yeah, yeah I, was, I was mixing it up with Nick Khan. No, no. <laughs> I don't think Shad Khan buys WWE. There's no reason for them when they're building their own brand. So ultimately, what do you think Vince's legacy will be? Well, his greatest mistake was letting the writers write. People who didn't have wrestling instincts write wrestling and try to turn it more into, like, maybe make it more mainstream. And they, they failed. Anybody that's ever been a writer should hang their head today because the industry isn't as good because of it. And his great scandal to me was not stopping the show when Owen died. Yeah. Not knowing what the extent of this scandal is. I, uh, I think his ultimate legacy will be of a guy who took wrestling out of dimly lit, smaller, smoky arenas and turned it into a production, a Hollywood level production for better or worse. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. Uh, I think he identified an opportunity that the Vern Gagnas and Jim Crockett's of the world and the Eddie Graham's and the Bill Watts's. I think Fritz almost had a, Fritz almost stumbled into it. I don't think he saw it. Vince saw merchandising. Vince saw production. Vince saw expansion. And he knew he was going to knock all those people in his way down just by doing what he wanted to do. And I think he made the business better. It's, it's a, it, the business would not exist today if it wasn't for Vince. That's the legacy right there. And the business will live on for the next 30 years as long as something, someone stupid doesn't, doesn't get in charge of it. All right, Mike, next week we will return with the WFX story. We're going to continue on where we left off with that. we got lots of things to talk about. As always, if you want to ask Mike a question about his time at the helm of WFX, we are on social media. Blow it out your ass. Y- you can do I am that a heel well. now and I am not <laughs> going to, an- I'm I'll answer your questions, but it's going to be sarcastic and snide. How about that? How about that? I can't wait for that. I'm yeah. looking for heel turn Mike Davidson coming up. You are always a heel to no, everybody anyways. So only Adam Knight. And, a- and that's because Adam Knight is a Vance, Nevada. I love Vance. No, but you're a heel to him. No, maybe he looks at me like a heel, but I think I, I, no, I love Vance. All right, Matt, uh, Mike, I just called him Matt. Let's wrap this up this week. And next week we will return with more fan questions, WFX story, and everything else you come to expect when two guys sit down. I think we have a birthday coming up next week. Bees cheese. And we do have a birthday coming up next week. Well, the boss called me up and said, come in to work. I just hung up on that slave driving jerk. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. Well, you'd think I'd rather be sweating on a dock or watching somebody use a hammerlock. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. 
R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Well, I love to watch the missing link bang his head on a corner post and the romper bumper butt butt delivered by the ice man. The Freebirds, Roberts, Hayes, and Gardy, but what I like the most is Kerry delivering the iron claw as only the Vaughn Ericks can. Well, the boss called again, said it's time and a half. You'll come in tonight, and I just had to laugh. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Well, my girlfriend called, and friend, she could be a model for Fredericks of Hollywood, but she was hassling. Really hassling. Said I could come over early and stay real late, but I told her, honey, if we have a date, we're going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Kevin Von Erich, when he's really high and flying, I like to see Ric Flair, but he's out there strutting. Andre the Giant must be seven foot nine. Well, I wouldn't miss this for a dozen girls, and I wouldn't miss this for nothing. I said, honey, I hope you ain't hurt. She said, I'm putting on my wrestling shirt. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Well, last night I dreamed my life was over. There was golden streets and fields of clover and the lights, they were dazzling. I looked for old St. Peter at the pearly gates. I found a note that said, I won't be too late. I'm going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. There's gentleman Chris Adams with his super kick in place. Young Mike Von Erich with his own iron claw. And I'll never forget the classic matches of the 70s and 80s. Two champions, Harley Race and David Von Erich. St. Peter told me as he let me in, from now on, every Monday and Friday, Glenn, we're going to wrestling. Going to wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. Well, if I'd known this was going to happen, I wouldn't have bought those advanced tickets. By the way, St. Pete, are you sure these wings will fit in a ringside seat? Is Fritz coming up here anytime soon? <laughs>